Hey there, thank you so much for joining us for the Big Time Talker podcast, live from our studios here in Washington, D.C. And today we're doing a special simulcast with our friends from the publisher Headline Books and their Zoom Into Books program, which is uh, live online as well. Our guest is Calvin B. Fisher. The book is Storm Warning, and the show is brought to you by Speaker Match, the world's largest online virtual speakers bureau. If you're a platform speaker, or maybe you're a meeting planner, you need a great speaker, you can find one another at speakermatch.com. Calvin Fisher is one of the hottest up-and-coming sci-fi authors in America. I was just reading a, a quote uh, from Sci-Fi and Fantasy Magazine saying, Mr. Fisher is an author to certainly keep an eye out for, so we're lucky to have him on the show. We've known him since the first book in this Northfield saga. The new one, Storm Warning, available now from headlinebooks.com, calvinfishermedia.com, and you can get it at bookstores everywhere. Joining us from the dystopian wasteland that is Denver, Colorado, Calvin Fisher, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me on. Glad to be here. It's always good to have you, and congratulations on book three. Did you ever see in your mind's eye being an award-winning author who's already in the third book of this, this series? No, I can't believe it. It's crazy just how fast time flies by. I remember publishing the first book and getting so excited. So it feels pretty crazy to already be on book number three. So this book series, um, it's kind of neat, the trajectory of it. The very first one, you self-published, and, and you were kind enough to share with me, well, you know, I think it's good. I don't know what anybody else is going to think. You put it out there. It generates attention, including the attention of Headline Books, which is, you know, one of the, the biggest independent book publishers in the world, uh, certainly well-respected. They picked up the second book in the series, and now you're on number three. Um, are you getting better at this? Are the book's progressively getting better? Because the, the first one was pretty good, Calvin. I hope so. You know, that's always the goal. I think as an author, you want to kind of grow and exceed your previous expectations and works. I think one area that I've really seen growth in myself as an author is just making the plots more intricate and complex and adding more characters and, you know, having them all weave and interact with each other. And I think uh, just as an author, being able to kind of juggle those plates better, um, I think that's been one area of growth. And it's been cool seeing the Northfield series where this story really has grown from Mark Northfield's own personal journey into this uh, sort of greater story encapsulating a lot more characters. Um, so it's really cool, I think, to kind of be able to experience that in parallel, seeing the growth in the story as well as my own uh, writing and trajectory there. I want to nerd out a little bit on something you just said uh, for any writers who might be watching online or, or listening to the Big Time Talker podcast. You talked about how you're making it you know, more intricate and you're weaving in different characters and scenarios. As an author, how do you keep all of that straight? How do you keep the timeline straight? How do you make sure the same person says the same thing to the, the next person? Because it seems like an awful lot. Is there a flow yeah. chart or is it all in your noggin? Yeah, that's definitely been a, a learning process for me too. Um, I've come up with a couple different strategies that work for me. The first is really spending a lot of time with that outline stage of really creating kind of a tree and a map of just how all of the characters interact and where like each of the subplots needs to go, where it'll kind of start and end. Um, I think what I found though is even when writing, that isn't quite enough. So 
what I end up doing is while writing my manuscript, if I think of something that needs to change or if I'm not quite sure if the timeline will line up correctly, I just make a comment on my word editor to come back to it later because you're right in that it can be a pretty overwhelming process. And if you let yourself kind of get stuck uh, too much, it can kind of really kill the writing flow. So it's kind of managing that balance of free flowing natural writing plus always keeping that uh, map in the back of your mind. The book is called Storm Warning. It's book number three in this Northfield saga. And and now you're you're not just an author. You're sort of a world builder. You've built this whole world around this character, Mark Northfield. Who is Mark Northfield? For folks who haven't read any of the books yet, give us a little introduction to, to your core character. Yeah, I think in shortest terms, he's sort of the post-apocalyptic everyman. He's a character who cares deeply about morality and doing the right thing. A large part of that is to live up to the memory of those he's lost, especially his fallen wife. So he's a character who really struggles throughout the books to kind of navigate the perilous moral circumstances he finds himself in, because just trying to scrape by and survive in the post-apocalypse lends really easy to moral compromise and just having to choose whether to to do the right thing or the hard thing. so I think that's just a really big part of his journey. And he has a really prominent gallows humor that served him well and helped him kind of keep sane in the crazy world. Um, so that's a really interesting part of the story is just seeing his character progress and him deal with the different challenges that come up in a post-apocalypse. In this new book, Storm Warning, uh, what do you have Northfield getting into? What's happening with him? Gosh, well, the third book sees the broiling war between the network, who is this shadowy organization that's been increasingly wresting control away from the people in the city of New Medea, and uh, Stormrise, this rebel group, has risen up in conflict with them. So the second book saw a lot of buildup, saw North Mark Northfield just escaping as a fugitive. It's kind of a fugitive on the run story. So the third book sees him in this guerrilla war and trying to manage, again, that conflict between doing the greater right thing of getting the network out of power while at the same time not compromising his own morals. When you were were visualizing this this world, as I said, you're kind of a world builder because you got all this happening around this guy. Uh, did you base this, this post-apocalyptic city of Numidea on any city or is it a combination of places? What do you see in your mind's eye? Yeah, it was a combination of places. Uh, One of the biggest inspirations was Minneapolis, uh, just first because I'm from Minnesota, so it's an easier mental map when you're pretty familiar with the area. One other cool thing about Minneapolis is it has this skyway system where all the buildings are interconnected with each other. And the main purpose of that is for the cold winters where people don't really need to walk outside. But that's a perfect place when you think about a post-apocalyptic world, the world is uh, in case of toxic gas, having that skyway system would be an incredibly valuable thing uh, to keep people safe. So um, it, it was kind of a mix of personal as well as I just think it makes logical sense for uh, a large part of the story to take place there. When these books were rolling out, the first couple of books, we were right in the middle of COVID. And and it was interesting, some of the parallels between what you had written in a pre-COVID world and then those books drop and people wearing masks and all that. Uh, take me back to that. And and were there sort of, oh, wow, I can't believe these predictions are coming true moments for you? 
Yeah, I think what's funny is the very first scene of the first book is Mark Northfield complaining about having to wear a mask everywhere, which I incepted and started writing the story in 2017. So COVID definitely wasn't on the lines there, but the book coming out in 2020, it definitely, I think people were able to relate to that a lot where people were sick of having to wear masks everywhere and um, kind of go through that hazard process. Um, it, it was sort of funny. I was kicking myself when it came out in 2020 where I was wishing it come out the year before. So, you know, people thought I was being all visionary and things like that, but it was really uh, just kind of luck of the draw as far as I was lining up. You're telling me you have no psychic medium qualities when you write these. Not yet. We'll see. Maybe <laughs> the next couple of books will predict things and I can I can pretend to be that, but not not as of now. <laughs> Calvin Fisher is our guest today on the Big Time Talker podcast and also Zoom into books. And if you happen to be watching the show uh, during our live broadcast, you can always send messages to us in, in the chat room and we will pose questions to Calvin. And that always makes him nervous. So I like to say it out loud that we may ask him things he doesn't know the answer to. Uh, Calvin Fisher's new book is Storm Warning. He's an award-winning dystopian thriller author. Um, what is it about this genre of of storytelling that you think captures people's imaginations? Because it's everywhere. I mean, you know, The Walking Dead, one of the biggest TV shows in the last 50 years. Uh, it's in movies like Dune, and it's in books. Why? Why do we want to see what's in the future, especially when it takes a, a bad turn? Well, I think one reason is just sort of coming to the core of storytelling, where any good story focuses on a hero or character overcoming adversity of some sort, whether that's between other people or the environment, nature. Um, and I think a post-apocalypse is really just taking that idea kind of to its logical conclusion. You're taking characters and people and putting them, them in some of the worst situations you can think of with the most adversity. And I think seeing people overcome such adversity and not lose their humanity fully uh, is just a really resonating concept. And I think it's one of the reasons post-apocalyptic media has stayed such a staple for so long. You know, one of the things I love about this book series is um, what you just said. It's the characters. It's at the end of the day, these are character driven stories. And, and, you know, I don't know about you, but when I'm reading, it doesn't really matter to me how fantastic the set pieces are and even how interesting and intricate the world is if you don't care about the characters first. Yeah, actually, that really speaks to a quote by Lee Child, who's the author of The Killing Floor, which really changed my life and how I approach writing, which in the forward of this first book, he wrote how nobody will really remember your plots of your books, but they will remember your characters. And I've really taken that approach to my writing where the characters always come first, because I think at the end of the day, that's what really makes people resonate with the story. There are some exceptions where there's plots that are so cool that it's just mind blowing. But I think overall characters are really what what make it special. Yeah. And as much as, as we all love to see, you know, what's going on in the Marvel Universe, if, if you don't have a, a relationship with one of those characters, then it's all kind of just lots of smoke and mirrors and flash for naught. And that is not what you're going to find in Calvin Fisher's books. The new one is Storm Warning. It's available from Headline Books. Calvin joins us on the Big Time Talker podcast from Denver, Colorado. One of the things that I, I think is really interesting about you is, is you not only write, but you bring in these other uh, things that you like to do in the real world, in the real Calvin Fisher world, 
And one of those things is that you're a gamer and you've released these, these gamer videos that thousands of people are watching now. So uh, break it down for folks who are not gamers as to what these videos are and what your participation is, because I think that's really interesting. Yeah, so on YouTube too, I make uh, a genre of video called video essay, and it's essentially longer form content around you know 30 minutes to an hour to um, usually critique and analysis. Um, I generally focus it around video games and the storytelling aspect because I think that that's sort of an area that's underserved just as far as there's a ton of video critique videos on games, but not a ton that focused almost exclusively on purely the storytelling. And I think as a writer and a science fiction writer at that, I have a lot of, you know, interesting and unique things to say. So yeah, I started the channel about a year ago and uh, was doing it mainly for fun. I like critiquing, I like sharing my opinion. Um, and the videos have just been doing really well, a lot better than my expectations. So it's been really cool to see people watch the videos and resonate with them. One of them, um, I think it was for one of the Halo games, had thousands of views. Yeah, I, yeah, I was lucky that one seemed to take off pretty good. It went kind of viral. Um, I think it's around like 140,000 views right now, which is, you know, I didn't imagine getting that many views, especially on the channel when I just launched it a few months prior. So, um, yeah, it's been a, a really exciting development. So you and I have talked about this a little bit before. Um, these books to me, lend themselves to a great narrative video game. And I wonder if, if in your mind's eye, you can kind of visualize that. Can you visualize what these characters look like and uh, you know how they might interact in a gaming world? Yeah, definitely. Um, one big inspiration for Northfield, at least visually, is the post-apocalyptic game series called The Division, which um, I just always liked the visuals of it. It took place very near after the apocalypse happened. So I always thought that was a really interesting time period. So I think just from having that inspiration, it's always been something on the back of my mind where I definitely think it would be uh, a book in a series that, as you say, would lend really well to the visual medium as well, whether it be a book or a, or a comic book I meant or a video game or a movie. Um, you know, one day it'd be really cool to see it on one of those formats. So as you said, a comic book or a graphic novel or maybe a video game, when you in your head see Mark Northfield and you describe him some in the books, but is there is there like a, a famous person or an actor's face that you kind of see uh, him? You know, who would you see playing him, for example, or what would he look like in a graphic novel or a video game? You know, I always thought uh, Wyatt Russell, um, who I think is Russell Crowe's son, always had a really, he always had like a likeness and a versatility to his acting that I thought would lend really well to the character. So I think um, if I got to manage the casting calls, he'd be pretty high up there. Um, <laughs> you know, I think some other people like Chris Evans too could could look the part pretty well. Um, yeah, so I, I definitely do describe him a bit in that book. So if you want kind of a visual reference, I think, um, yeah, Wyatt Russell's pretty close. Or Captain America, either one. Yeah, uh, either or. <laughs> either him or Chris. The book we're talking about is the third book in this trilogy. That's called Storm Warning. Calvin B. Fisher is our guest today on the Big Time Talker podcast and also on Zoom into Books with Headline Books. He's one of our favorite authors. We'd love to have him back. It, he's one of the young guns in the sci-fi world that people are talking about. Um, 
with these trilogies and, and series of books, you know, some authors set them up, Calvin, where um, you kind of got to go back to the beginning to read them and understand kind of where you're at. And then sometimes there are other books. Um, I think sometimes like uh, the James Patterson books um, where you can pick up at any point and get into it. What would you recommend people do? And, and is Storm Warnings in a standalone book or should you go back and, and start at the beginning and get caught up? Uh, I would generally recommend people to start at the beginning just because um, I think as I was talking about, a large part of the book is character and seeing the character growth. So I definitely write each of my books where you could read it standalone and understand what's going on. Um, and one, for instance, reads like a man on the run type story. So right. you could really enjoy it within that context. But I think you'll just have a greater appreciation for the characters and kind of their trajectory if you start from the beginning of the journey. So um, yeah, I guess my advice would be if one seems to stick out to you the most and that's what you really want to read, you know, you can definitely go for it. But if you're looking for where to start, um, book number one would be it. You know, one of the things that I, I found interesting about these books, and I'd love for you to weigh in on it, is when you think of these dystopian stories, traditionally, it was a guide genre. It was like, you know, in my dad's era when they, they read Zane Gray books, the Western books, and it was just a, a man's man book. These books, though, although you've got really strong masculine characters in there, women seem to be drawn to these books, too. And I wonder how you thread that needle. How do you make them, uh, you know, so enjoyable where, where there are lots of female readers who say, Calvin, I really like these books, too. How do you do that? Or is it an intentional thing or does it just happen? Um, I think it, it, probably a little bit of combination of both. I think one thing I wanted to do with Mark Northfield is. Um, I wanted him to be very masculine, but at the same time, he's a very sensitive man as far as he's very, very empathetic towards what other people are going to. And he wrestles a lot with these inner conflicts and just, um, he, yeah, feels other people's emotional pain pretty deeply. And I think that's just something that really resonates with everyone. And I think especially female readers who may not like the just super gruff, no empathy type of uh, protagonist that sometimes can be in the genre. So I think, I think that might be one of the reasons why, um, but that's kind of just taking a shot. I think that makes sense. He's a little less Clint Eastwood and more, you know, sensitive Gerard Butler kind of guy, right? He's, he's that guy who, uh, and, and especially as you said, he's, he's really torn up. He's lost his wife and, and to him, you know, that first book, that's, that's his life. His wife is his life. When she's gone, you know the the other stuff that's happening around him almost pales in comparison in his head. Yeah, yeah, that's a great way of putting that. The book we're talking about is Storm Warning. It's the third book in the trilogy, and uh, Calvin suggested you go back and, and grab the first one. That first one was was released uh, independently, it was self published, and then the second one came out with Headline Books. Is it tough to find the first one? Uh, no, the first one should be uh, just on Amazon. If you search uh, Apocalypse Bounty or the Northfield Saga, it should show up. Um, there are probably a few of the original copies floating around, but um, hopefully those aren't as, uh, as available to get. I think Headline Books did a great job of doing further editing and iteration. So the copy that came out with them is definitely the latest and greatest. So if you want to find those, definitely you can look on headline books and Amazon. 
you know, it's great that that headline books did that. And, and it's very unusual for a publisher to go back and pick up a book like that. So uh, that has to say a lot about their faith in you to go back and grab a self-published book and do, you know, the, 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 as you said, the cleanup, the extra editing, and then re-release it. And so, as you said, it's available from headlinebooks.com and Amazon, wherever you get books. Um, what was that moment like for you when you got the call that you have gone from being one of hundreds of thousands of people who self-published a book to, I mean, you get the tap on the shoulder and, and this independent, you know, publisher of the year says, Hey, we want you on our roster. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where even as an author, it's kind of hard to describe how that feels. I think it's something that I've worked years for of, you know, writing my books. And even before that, just practicing writing and getting better where I always dreamed of being represented by a publisher and um, just being able to be on that journey and get of course, that kind of validation that the work you're doing is being recognized by people and appreciated. Um, so I'm really grateful for Headline Books for the opportunity uh, to work with them. And it's it's been a joy working with Headline Books. You know, as we record this Big Time Talker podcast with our, our author and guest, Calvin Fisher, the, uh, the writer's strike in Hollywood just wrapped up a couple of weeks ago. And as a writer and as a creative, um, I want to, uh, to sort of get inside the hood. I want to pull the hood up on Calvin Fisher. And, and because I'm sure there are other people who are, are watching or listening this this conversation who think they've got a story in them, but maybe they're reticent to put it out there into the world. Maybe they think, oh, this isn't so good. It's just for me. Not that long ago, you were that guy. And now you're winning awards and you're on the third book in the series. What advice would you give to a, a creative who maybe in the back of their mind thinks, I want to take a shot at writing a book. What would you tell them? How do you go about it? I'd say the biggest thing that's important is to just have a discipline when it comes to writing. Um, I think the important thing, especially if you want to progress, is you can't only write when you feel like it. It has to be something that you kind of build into a daily habit. And with that, I think starting small is great. You know, whether you do it for a time limit or amount of pages, starting with writing for 10 or 20 minutes a day or just one page a day, you know, and just doing that every day, um, trying to miss as little as you can. And you'd be surprised at how quickly you'll have a full book on your hands. If you if you do that within three months, you'll have a fully written book. Um, so I think just having that discipline. And I also think that as with any creative endeavor, um, there are going to be disappointments and things aren't going to probably turn out quite how you wanted. So you just need to be persistent and um, believe in yourself and what you're doing. And that, you know, at the end of the day, you're writing these books and creating because you think you have something of value to bring to the world and bring to readers. So um, sort of having that belief is what really can help. You, um, you talked about having the discipline. So and not just sort of waiting around for the, the inspiration to hit the lightning bolt to come down from the sky. What is, what is your routine? When do you write and how much do you write and how do you specifically do it? Yeah. So I found that mornings are the best time for me. I used to write at evenings up until about a year or two ago. Um, and I just found it's really hard to stay consistent because plans come up you might end up in traffic a little too long one day or you have to go do this, that, or the other thing. So what really works for me is mornings actually. So I'll wake up pretty early um, and write for uh, usually one to two hours, depending. Um, 
usually I go for page goals is my sort of big thing because if I know how many pages um, I have to write, I'll be able to track out pretty accurately how long the book is going to take to complete at least the first draft. So um, that's just been sort of my rhythm and trying to stay consistent with it, you know, every day. The first book, you know, it took your whole life to write. Uh, And then the second one, less of your life. And the third one, presumably less. How long did it take you to write this last one? And and on average, would you say how long, how long does it take to write a novel? Um, So for me, I would say about six months, six to nine months to start from kind of outlines to fully completed on my end of things before it goes out to an editor. Um, One of the big parts of writing is you're not done after the first draft. It goes through tons and tons of iterations before it's even ready to see an editor. And even at that point, it can be a bit rough and ready. Um, So then usually with editors, it takes another couple months. I usually go through a personal editor before sending it to headline books. So that whole process usually takes another few months. So uh, that's where it usually lands about a year between book releases, anywhere from nine months to a year. Um, Each book has gone faster to write for the most part. I think a large part of that is um, you begin to kind of catch things a bit better yourself, even while writing the first draft of, hey, this plot line isn't really working how I thought it would be. It's better to just cut it now and save myself the time of rewriting things in the future. So as as you get a better sense for things that usually can make that latter editing stage a little bit shorter. Do you begin with the end of the book in mind? Do you like, do you know where it's going to wrap up and it's kind of the, the, how you get there or what does that outlining process look like for you? Yeah, I think the biggest two things for me are getting the beginning of the book right and the ending, because if you have a bad beginning of your book, nobody's going to stick around. Um, and you're not going to get to page two. Exactly. And if you have a bad ending to your book, um, I just think that's even worse than having a bad beginning. If you wrap up your book on a poor, unsatisfying note, um, it's it the really worst, leave- right? When you you invest all that time into reading something that's 300, 350 pages and you go, eh, that's it? Totally. Yeah. And it leads people to thinking that it was a waste of time. And I think it it really does soil what comes before, even if that other writings are really high quality. So yep. uh, endings are crucial for me. You, when you're writing, is it something when you're outlining a book where you begin with the end in mind? Do you know where the story is going to wrap up? Yeah, usually what's interesting about how I kind of generate ideas is I usually, usually what I start with is characters that would be interesting than the world. And then I kind of think of where their character growth will be. But then the next thing I usually think of is the payoff of this story and that sort of climax and where everything comes together. And that's the most exciting part for me, because I think when you it's, I think, the most fun parts of the book to write and also the most fun parts of the book to read when you hit that kind of payoff and those arcs coming close. So um, when, once I get really excited about that part, it's easier to kind of move back um, and figure out where it makes sense to start and kind of go from there. So, yeah, I'd say I kind of work almost from the back uh, or from the ending going backwards. We're getting sort of a master class in how to write a great book from a great writer. Award-winning author Calvin Fisher joins us today. He's back with the third book in the Mark Northfield series. 
Um, you mentioned something earlier that I want to touch base on as, as we do give some writing tips for people who might want to write. And that is that you go through a bunch of iterations and a bunch of, of editing before you actually turn it into the publisher. Um, if I understood you correctly, you kind of write the whole thing out before you go back and start editing though, correct? Yeah, that's what I usually do. I think, you know, every writer's got to find their own way of doing it. But I think being able to kind of write from start to beginning gives you a better idea for the flow and pacing of the book, which I think flow and pacing are critical parts of a novel, but they can be the hardest parts to get right. Um, and they're one of the hardest things in, as an author to kind of get the, the pulse of, so to speak. So I think if you start writing, stop, go back and edit what you wrote, I think you can kind of lose the force through the trees. At least that's what I've found with myself. So that's why I would generally encourage if it's someone's first no novel starting out, they write out an outline of where this story wants to go. Then they just start writing and write up until the end. And but don't go back and change anything um, until the very end. So some authors I've, I've read uh, do these things called critique groups, which I, I guess essentially is, you know, you have beta readers before it ever goes to the publisher. Have you ever worked with one of those? Or if, you know, would if not, would you recommend, or if so, would you recommend new authors joining a critique group? Uh, I haven't joined a critique group per se, um, but in college I did a good amount of creative writing classes where it got uh, a lot of things where you'd exchange writing and get feedback and that sort of thing. And I think those were really valuable experiences for me. I definitely use beta readers. There's a few people I know who um, I trust their opinion and to give me kind of accurate critique. Um, so that's who I usually rely on now once I finish a book to have those few people read it and give me their opinions. And then um, if everything looks good to them, I do a couple more checks myself before it goes out. Is that tough as a creative? If somebody comes back to you and 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 says, ah, this just doesn't work for me because it doesn't do you any good, Calvin, If as a writer, I guess, or any kind of creative, if everybody just gives you attaboys. Oh, this is fantastic all the time. You want the truth. But how, as, as Jack Nicholson famously said, you know, can you handle the truth? Yeah, I think that can be one of the hardest parts about getting feedback is soliciting people's honest thoughts because, you know, people don't want to hurt your opinions. And it can sometimes be hard to hear critique, especially if it's something you are really excited about. It sounds like that doesn't really work. Like there's too much time spent here. Um, but what I've found that really helps with that is nothing's worse than the book coming out and then getting that feedback. And then yeah. wishing you could have gone back and changed it. Cause that's definitely for me, at least the hardest part about feeling, getting feedback. It, after the books come out, it's not so much that I get my personal feelings hurt. It's just, man, I wish I could have gone back and improved that part or, um, you know, taken that into account before the book was out in the wild. So um, it, it's definitely nice to have a book come out and kind of know how it'll be received, although you never really know. So until it's out there, um, when you're putting a book together like this, you talked about outlining it for character development. This is happening in the future. It's a dystopian world. It's not what's happening around us. Do you do any sort of research, though, to try to make things, uh, you know, as they should be? And if so, what does research look like for a, a totally fiction novel, you know, for something that's happening in the future? Yeah, it's interesting. I think for me, a lot of the research has just been in particulars. Like, um, 
one one weird thing is like what's the size of a particle that a gas mask can filter out like what's the the scale of that and it's just a lot of weird small things like that where at least in my experience you don't really think of until you start writing or out of scene and i think my first book where a character has to break in through a door um or a, a window and then i had to look up what the different parts of a window were in the right terminology and that sort of thing which is it's funny, there's, you kind of realize how much you don't know until you start writing where it's like, I never thought I'd need to look something up about windows. Um, so <laughs> I think it's burglar in your neighborhood, right? Right, exactly. So I think it's a kind of a combination with the fictional world between that, uh, that sort of research. Um, and it can depend on what kind of science fiction world you're making. But a lot of it for me in the post-apocalypse is just as extrapolating that information just based on how you know human behavior is and how people will act. Um, and I think those two things together, what can really lend a world uh, a lot of um, believability. The book we're talking about is Storm Warning. It is the Northfield Saga uh, third book, and it's available from Headline Books. We're winning indie uh, publisher and award-winning author Calvin Fisher joins us on the Big Time Talker podcast to talk about the craft of writing and this new book so now that that you are a you know as young as you are a veteran author you're on your third book well what's your favorite part of being an author what do you like the most gosh that's a tough one um i would have to say i just probably still my favorite part is generating new ideas and brainstorming new book ideas um I think that's the most invigorating part of the process for me is just figuring out how a story is going to wrap up, like these different payoffs for the characters, new worlds to create, um, that sort of thing. So I get really excited about the things I'm going to work on and work on in the future. Um, so definitely that creative genesis part. And then, you know, it is also good to finally see the book come out and be finished and in your hands. It's always a little nerve wracking because you're like, oh, well, now it's it's finished you know? <laughs> now it's done. So I guess yep. here we go. No, no going back. But um, yeah, it's it's a really rewarding process. So it's like kicking the baby bird out of the nest. It's like, OK, you're on your own, kiddo. Here you go out into the big world. Um, yeah, that's a great way of describing it. And they can either start soaring in the sky or go splat. And it's just uh, <laughs> you got to wait and see. Yeah, exactly. Well, that hasn't happened for you yet. Uh, you know, these books continue to to generate lots of great response. The new one has just come out, Storm Warning. All right, so I asked you your favorite thing about being an author. What is the one thing, if you could take it away, about uh, that, that creative process or or anything about being an author that, that you don't like? Um, I would say the editing after editing the second draft. So I like writing the first draft. And then I like going in again and then fixing a ton of stuff and making the book a lot better. But after a couple of edits, it gets really tedious um, yeah. to go through the book again and again and again. So um, that would be nice if it just magically, I didn't need to do that. Um, but I don't think that day is coming anytime soon. So that's, it's funny uh, you say that. Wrong. I just yesterday talked to uh, a friend who was, in the cast of the first Friday the 13th movie. And it's Halloween time as we record this Big Time Talker podcast. He's going to go out and do a screening of this movie. And I said, well, you know, would you like the car service to pick you up and get you to the screening uh, before the movie? And he said, 
listen, um, just between you and me, if I don't have to sit through it again after watching it for the last 43 years, it'll be okay. Can I just get there in the last 10 minutes? So I get it, right? You're so close to it. It sometimes can take the fun away. Does it take the fun away for you as an author, though, when you get immersed in another author's book? Can you take yourself away as a writer and as a person who does this for a living, you know, who's used to critiquing your own work? And can you get taken away by a great story when you read? I can for sure. And I think it makes me respect um, uh, the stories a lot more when they are, are able to just sort of take me and make me believe in the characters and forget that it is, um, you know, work by another author. Right. So I, I'm pretty lucky that I still kind of have that ability. I haven't gotten too jaded yet, I guess. What I think it has gotten harder for me is the very like mediocre or low quality movies of watching those because you know, sometimes seeing poor writing in that, it's really difficult for me to not pick it apart. And sometimes I'll look at other people and be like, how come this doesn't bother you? And that sort of thing. And it's, you know, kind of coming to understand people aren't looking at the writing quite as hard as I am at times. So um, I think still for kind of the really, the really great stories that that still hasn't been a problem, at least. Do you ever pick up a book and and then just not finish it though. You get 20 pages in and go, ah, this is Drek. I'm done. Or do you soldier through? Very rarely. I almost always soldier through books. Um, I, I don't know why there's sometimes where I'm like, why am I reading this? But I guess it's maybe <laughs> some, some weird impulse. Um, <laughs> but there's been like a few rare occasions where I'm like, this just isn't worth my time. It's better to start off with another book. So, um, I, I try to finish the books I start and give them a fair shake. Uh, yeah. Because that's what you want people to do with yours. Calvin Fisher, not only an award-winning author, but clearly a good guy with a conscience. And his new book is available now from Headline Books. It's the third one in the uh, Mark Northfield saga. Uh, it's called Storm Warning and uh, just came out Labor Day weekend. And it's available at bookstores everywhere, headlinebooks.com, amazon.com. Did you always write in this sort of dystopian science fiction world you mentioned you did some creative writing in college or or did you write other stuff or will you write other stuff yeah uh, a big thing is i'm a pretty big superhero fan especially spider-man so i actually wrote a lot of like comic books and gosh back in middle school i remember that's what i would write all the time um so i think that's definitely a kind of genre that would be really cool to return to um I definitely, I guess, wouldn't call myself a, a genre writer in the sense that I plan on always sticking with post-apocalyptic. Um, I hope to write, I have a pretty big fantasy series planned one day that I hope to write, um, as well as some, yeah, superhero stuff and even things like a Western that I've written before. So um, You wrote a Western? I did, yeah. Not, cool. not published, but um, but yeah. And, and would you go back and, and maybe punch that up and clean it up and turn it into a publisher one day? I I think I'd like to. I think in a lot of ways, it's actually one of the best things I've written. Uh, it's just a long, it's a really long book and I just haven't had the time to go back and edit it. But yeah, I definitely hope to get it, get it published one day. Another big part of that, speaking of research, is I want to do a lot more research into just the old west period uh to get the dialogue and the, all that stuff right so um as well as things like clothing and the particular so whenever i get time to go back to that i definitely will want to but 
I would read that book, Calvin Fisher. Mark Northfield with a cowboy hat. I like it. <laughs> Take the mask off. Um, there you go. Hey, here's a question that came in online, and I love this question. Uh, does Mr. Fisher ever visit schools or speak at conferences? As a younger author, you could relate to, you know, high school and college students who are thinking about writing because, you know, not so long ago, you were one of them. And now here you are and you're winning awards and you're on your third book. You're prolific. Do you ever do that? Do you ever go back and speak in high schools or colleges or would you would you entertain that? I definitely would entertain the thought. I haven't yet. It's um, I think the only reason is just because I graduated college from a couple of years ago. So it, it really just hasn't been on my radar to think about. Um, but and I haven't you know, gotten any invites as of this time. But it's something that, yeah, I'd love to do, love to speak at high schools or colleges, um, encourage people in their writing, um, give, give people tips. That sort of thing sounds great to me. Calvin Fisher has the tips and he's got the books to prove it and the accolades as well. Uh, again, check this out from Sci-Fi and Fantasy Magazine. Mr. Fisher is an author to certainly keep an eye out for. And that's why he's here today to talk about his new book, Storm Warning. What's next for you, Calvin? Gosh, working on the fourth and final Northfield book. Um, so really excited to uh, write that. Um, as I said, kind of conclusions and that sort of thing are the biggest part for me. So I'm really excited to kind of bring bring everything full circle. And it's the most intricate book so far plot wise and just as far as a lot of characters and moving parts. So a lot to kind of wrangle in. Uh, a bit of a confession that I haven't figured out the ending of the last like four or five pages yet. So even though I love endings, the very end of it is still a mystery to even me. So um, really excited to just finish that up. Um, because endings are so important for me, I'm, you know, shooting for it to be the best book in the series yet is the hope. Um, but yeah, just, just hard at that work and heads down there. Any idea when you're going to wrap it up, turn it into the publisher and where we'll see the, the conclusion of the, uh, the series. Gosh, uh, not quite sure yet. I think it's one that I probably want to spend a lot more time in the editing process than even the last couple, just to, you know, really make sure things get wrapped up right and everything comes together. Um, as I guess my goodbye to the series for not for now, um, as I said, I wanted to end on the highest note possible. The books are the Northfield sagas. The third one, Storm Warning, just came out. People love it. I know uh, the folks at Reader's Favorite are looking at it right now. And, uh, and it is already many readers' favorite book. If you've been following the Northfield saga, you got to pick up the new one. It's book three, Storm Warning. Go back and pick up the first two books in the series as well from Calvin's publisher, Headline Books. Calvin, thanks for hanging out with us today. Congratulations on the new book. Thanks so much. And thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure. That's our pal Calvin Fisher and the new book. You got to get it. You're going to love it. It's part of the Northfield series, Storm Warning from Headline Books. Hey, thank you, SpeakerMatch.com, for sponsoring the Big Time Talker podcast. Thank you to the whole gang at Headline Books for letting us uh, jump in and take over their Zoom into Books platform as well so we can get the video up online of, of the broadcast. We drop brand new episodes of the Big Time Talker podcast every Tuesday at Amazon, iHeartMedia, Spotify, wherever you download your podcast. Be sure to subscribe and join us. Thanks again to our guest, Calvin B. Fisher, award-winning author, the new book, 
storm warning. I'm Burke Allen in Washington, D.C. Thank you so much for being here. Now go out and make it a great day. Bye, everybody.